Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. See, it's easy to sort of approach conflict with another Christian like, well, I'll give it like the old college try, and if it doesn't work out, I'll shrug and move on, right? But he's like, no, no, no. I want you to agree in the Lord. I want you to commit to do this, to keep going at it until something breaks and something busts through and this conflict is resolved. See, we're not allowed as Christians to shrug and ignore conflict. We're not allowed to go into kind of a Cold War mentality. Christians are great at Cold War. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hoping God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Are you struggling with conflict with another brother or sister in Christ? In today's message, Pastor Ricky encourages us to commit to resolve conflicts by agreeing in the Lord. Division and strife have no place in the body of Christ. When we're at war with each other, we are behaving just like the unbelieving world. However, as the church functions in unity and love, the world will recognize the Holy Spirit at work and be drawn to Christ. Put succinctly, they'll know that we're Christians by our love, not by ugly unresolved conflict. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part one of his message, Three Threats to Peace from the book of Philippians, chapter four. Well, in this passage, verse one is something of a transitional verse. Uh, It's in some ways a charge to apply the last section, and it's also a transition to take up and consider the next section, and sort of functions as a headline over verses two through nine. So Paul is exhorting them, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So he's saying in the previous section, I want you to stand firm against those external threats. So threats outside of the church, outside of the Christians, where you had these different groups that were trying to influence and and mess up the the church with their teaching. But now he's going to transition and say, I want you to stand firm against internal threats, threats inside the church, and threats even inside you as a Christian. So The overall theme is peace, but the charge is to stand firm. And so the main idea today can be summed up this way. Stand firm in the peace of Christ. Now, three threats to peace, and then what our response to each of those threats is. Three different threats to peace in the three different sections. So the first threat to peace is disunity. You see that right away in verse 2. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So what's the danger? What's the threat here? Well, the threat here is that disunity destroys peace with one another. Now, I think for those of us that read the Bible like just devotionally over a cup of coffee, we often forget that these letters in the New Testament were written to be read out loud. So Paul would write a letter to a church and they would get the letter and then they would read it like this. So so somebody would stand up and say, oh, we got the latest letter from Paul. We're going to stand up and read it, which then you begin to understand the radically uncomfortable moment that Paul knows he is creating by this being read. He, just right there, names in public two women in the church who are in a conflict, right? Now, evidently, their conflict was so pervasive, so pronounced, so notable, that Paul couldn't get a report 
about the church without hearing about this conflict, right? So it's not just a little, like, little tiff, like, oh, I hate when they bring snacks or something. I mean, this is like a prolonged thing. And, and I think to help us get a feel for this, uh, the elders and I have been working on a list of conflicts that we're aware of in the church that I'm going to begin to read through now, including some people's names. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not really going to do that. But if I did that, you begin to sense how uncomfortable this section is. I entreat, it's almost like thinking, I treat you and you, you guys agree. You're like, whoa, whoa, is that really necessary, Paul? Now, why would Paul do this? Well, because he's concerned that the peace of the church is being destroyed. See, often when it comes to conflict with other Christians or in the church, we often think we are the only ones affected by the conflict. But Paul sees this is affecting the entire church. It's leading to distraction from the mission. It's probably leading to bitterness and sin and anger. It's, it's probably very much what Paul had in mind when he's encouraging them in Philippians chapter 2 to think of others and to serve others as Christ has served them. And so that's not what's happening. And so Paul has to call this out. He gives the theological kind of strong stuff, and then he refers to it here saying, okay, guys, agree in the Lord. Now, What's the solution then, though, that Paul offers to this conflict? Well, the solution is pursuing peace in Christ. And at first, Paul's solution seems far too simplistic. This is all that he says. This is all the counsel he gives them. Agree in the Lord, right? He doesn't say who's right and who's wrong. Instead, what he asks them to do is to commit to the principle and pursuit of agreeing in the Lord. And that phrase is so important, agree in the Lord. That word agree is, is the same, related to the same term in Philippians 2.2, where Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, or have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, have, essentially, have the mind of Christ. You two have different minds right now. You each have your own side to this. I want you to put that aside and have the mind of Christ. Now, he gives then two reasons that they should have the same mind in Christ. The first one is that they have labored side by side with Paul. He says this, Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. So evidently, these two women, are, these two women are not slouches. These aren't those people that you're like, man, I'm not even sure that they're a Christian. No, that they are people who are gifted and faithful and notable servants in the church. They very likely helped Paul establish the church plant in Philippi. They probably have been assisting Paul in various ways with his ministry travels. What Paul is saying is this, look. I know that you can have the mind of Christ because I've seen you serve people. I've seen you labor alongside me and other people. And so I know that you have this mind, but I want you to have it all the more. I want you to lay aside what you want and take up the mind of Christ. And then he throws this in there, this the second thing, that their names are written in the book of life meaning that they are both really Christians. He believes this. He believes that they are going to spend eternity together with Jesus. And so Paul is saying, listen, 
If in eternity, from the perspective of eternity, you really are going to agree in the Lord, your names are written in the book of life, you guys are going to spend forever together, why not start now, right? Why not agree in the Lord now? And listen, friends, one important note that we have to bring into this from the rest of Philippians is that this kind of peace, this kind of agreement is only possible because of Jesus, Um, Paul elsewhere in another letter in Ephesians, Paul says that when Jesus died on the cross, he killed the hostility that we have for each other. Not only did Jesus put to death the hostility we had with God, but he put to death the hostility we would have for one another. On the cross, Jesus suffered for our sins. And if the person we're in the conflict with has trusted in Christ, Jesus has suffered for their sins too, even their sins against us. So this means we don't have to crucify each other because Jesus has been crucified for us. If we're calling out, give me justice, like they need to give me justice, they need to suffer the way that they've made me suffer, if we were to call that out, friends, Jesus and the cross would call back to us, you didn't receive justice, did you? Did you receive what you deserve? No, you received the opposite of what you deserve. You received grace. This is what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 2. We didn't deserve for Christ to humble himself and become a man and humble himself to the point of death for us, and yet he did it freely. And so then when we think of our conflict with one another, we, we and they are both people for whom Jesus has died. Therefore, peace is possible. Because our sins against one another have been paid for. Our hearts have been renewed and brought back to life because of what Jesus has done. So there, friends, listen to this. There is hope for any conflict and every conflict with another Christian because of Jesus. There's no need for us to crucify one another. Jesus has been crucified for us. So, okay, you could say, well, that that sounds wonderful, but I'm thinking of a conflict right now, and I don't understand how that's supposed to help me. Give me some practical steps to take to, to, to work through this thing. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because it seems like in this section, Paul doesn't give us enough to go on. It's just, he's just is like, well, just agree. But if you think through what he's saying, there's a couple key practical applications here. First is that you and I must commit to peacemaking. You must commit to it. See, it's easy to sort of approach conflict with another Christian like, well, I'll give it like the old college try, and if it doesn't work out, I'll shrug and move on, right? But he's like, no, no, no. I want you to agree in the Lord. I want you to commit to do this, to keep going at it until something breaks and something busts through and this conflict is resolved. See, we're not allowed as Christians to shrug and ignore conflict. We're not allowed to go into kind of a Cold War mentality. Christians are great at Cold Wars. We know that we're not supposed to shoot each other, like with live rounds, right? And so we engage in this Cold War sometimes, where it's just like, oh, you know, somebody's name is brought up and we go, oh. And we're not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. You think, I'm not saying anything. Like, okay, right? You just wage kind of a Cold War against somebody. And and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You have to commit to this. You have to believe that this is going to be a principle on which you will live your life as a Christian. And Paul inserts something else. He urges somebody he calls the true companion to help them. 
So the true companion, we don't know who this is. It could be one of the elders of the church. It could be one of the deacons in the church. It could have just been one of the known and mature Christians. And so when, when Paul says, my true companion, the church would have known who that is because evidently there was a relationship with Paul. And he says, I want you to help these women. See, one of the means of grace that God provides for believers in conflict is involving other believers in their peacemaking efforts. And sometimes that's the last thing you want, right? Sometimes the last thing you want is, okay, I'm in a conflict. I'm super sure I'm right. And somebody says, well, maybe we shouldn't involve somebody else, somebody more mature, somebody wise. Let's I talk to one of the pastors. Let's talk to one of the, the other people we respect in the church and get their help. And there's something in your heart that kind of is like, no, right? And we're honest. Sometimes we're thinking, well, they might side with the other person. They're probably biased, you know? And, and we start to maybe judge them. We don't want other people involved. And yet this is what Paul is saying. It's one of the means of grace. And I love that the, the way Paul does this. He, he, basically, um, he basically says to these two ladies in public, hey, I want you to agree. And then he tells this other person, I want you to help them. So now they sort of have to agree to the help, right? It's just all out there in public. And, and I think in, in a similar way, um, sometimes this can be offered this can, somebody can insert themselves in the conflict and say, hey, do you guys need help with this? I've noticed that every time that person's name is brought up, there's a bit of a Cold War thing going on. Or you can go get help. But one way or the other, I think the two things Paul is calling the church to do is to commit to work towards peacemaking and to commit to involve others when necessary to resolve conflict. And often, I think, in our conflicts in the church, we just wish for peace, Right? We wish, we just think, oh, I wish I was at peace. Yet Paul is saying, no, don't wish for peace, work for peace in the church. And so consider today, friend, is there somebody that you need to restore peace with? Is there somebody you need to commit that we're going we're gonna to be, begin to try to work this out? We're going to get some outside help. And ask yourself as well, are you willing to be involved? Are you willing to be pulled into things to try to, in the Lord, help other believers agree? That's the first threat. The first threat to peace is disunity. The second threat is much more personal, not just inside the church, but inside ourselves. The second threat is anxiety. So verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the danger here, the threat here is anxiety. Anxiety destroys the peace inside of us. And often, this is the hardest battlefield to fight on. The poet John Milton once wrote this. He said, a mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. Like inside your mind, you can, you can be, and you've probably experienced this, there can be situations that are just crazy, and yet you experience this inner peace, and you're okay. Or everything could be fine, and if you're anxious, right, there, it, it doesn't matter. Your, 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 your mind is sort of your own personal hell because everything is rolling around in there, and you can't stop it. This is where Paul is aiming his counsel, not just inside the church, but inside the Christian. Now, a qualification here, anxiety is not the same as reasonable planning or reasonable concern. 
Okay, if somebody you love gets very sick, you should be concerned and you should make a plan. But here's what happens. It crosses into anxiety when it takes over, when it defines your thoughts, when you can't stop rolling it over and over and over in your mind, when you begin obsessing over past decisions that you can't change, when you begin looking to the future and and feeling and fearing every possible bad future possibility, when it begins to go from concern to anxiety, I think it's a little subjective, but I think we all can feel the difference, right? You can all feel the difference. And Paul is saying, I don't want this for you. Don't be anxious. Jesus says again and again in passages like Matthew 6, do not worry. Who of you by worrying can add a single day to his life? So what's the solution? Well, the solution ultimately in verse 7 is to be guarded by the peace of God. I love this verse, verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is so beautiful because this is the thing that we long for. The answer to anxiety is peace, but not peace that we find in ourselves, but peace from outside of us, right? One of the the world's most common ways at trying to approach peace and get at peace is they're like, you got to go deep into yourself and somewhere in there, find some peace. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Don't go inside yourself. This is a peace from outside of you. This is a peace from God. And and look at this. He says it surpasses all understanding, meaning that that sometimes it doesn't even make sense to us why, why we're at peace, and yet we are. We experience it. And when peace comes into us, the peace of God comes into us, it says it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This this word guard is the word uh, that would be used for like the Roman garrison that would, or the soldiers that would pour out of the Roman barracks and take up defensive positions around something like the governor's palace, right? So if something in Jerusalem is shaking and and there's concern, then one of the commanding officers would call everybody up, they'd come out of the barracks, they'd have their shields, and they would take up a defensive position around whatever site needed to be protected. They would go into action and they would guard. That's the the kind of, of picture that Paul has. The peace of God guards us. And it guards our hearts and our minds. And I love that. It guards our emotions and it guards our thinking. It guards what we're feeling and what we're rolling over and over in our minds. Now, friends, it's important to remember the context of this letter because this peace is only possible because of Jesus. See, in in our sin, we never deserved or earned the ability to experience the peace of God. We turned away from God. We rebelled against God. We broke God's laws, and therefore there was enmity between us and God, right? We had put our flag up and declared war on God, in a sense, through our sin. And yet that's why Jesus came, to to make peace with God, to restore peace with us. On the cross, Jesus was treated as if he was God's enemy. Colossians 1.20 says he did that so that he could make peace by the blood of his cross. 
In other words, the justice of God was aimed at us. We were his enemy, and yet Jesus stepped in front of that and shed his blood to put to death the hostility between us and God so that God's justice would be satisfied. Jesus' blood was shed instead of ours so that we could experience peace with God. There's so many causes for our anxiety, but the things that should actually truly make us anxious, that comes down to this. Can we stand before a holy God at the end of our life? Everything is broken in creation all around us, but the fundamental question is, where are we in our relationship with God? And listen, if everything else that we, that we have in our lives is good and our relationship with God is off, we have no peace. But because of Jesus, that peace is now available for all who believe. This peace that surpasses all understanding. See, friends, we were made to find our peace in God. It was lost because of sin. It's restored in Jesus. And Paul is holding it out and saying, yes, this peace is what you long for. This peace is what Jesus has accomplished. But how then do we get from anxiety to this peace, right? Here's anxiety where we are. Here's the peace of God that, that Paul is holding out. How do we get from here to there? Well, this is what Paul says. Here are the practical steps. Now, Paul, it can, it can seem almost cruel for Paul to say, don't be anxious. Because if you're like me, you think, oh, thanks, Paul. I'll, I'll try that. Like, have you ever been anxious, been caught in an anxious loop? You just, somebody tells you, well, try not to be anxious about it. And you're like, oh, Oh, is that all it is? I'll just, I'll try not to. Thank you, right? And yet Paul is saying, don't be anxious, but then he adds something to do instead of being anxious, right? So in other words, it's a contrast. Don't do this, do this. Don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is so, so important. Paul is saying, instead of keeping our internal dialogue just in ourselves and with ourselves, we're to dialogue and speak to God. Or if you're like me, you probably have this constantly churning internal dialogue. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. I want you to take that, and I want you to talk to God. What does he say? First, he says to pray. Pray. See, in any situation, there are maybe especially any anxiety-inducing situation, there's maybe 10 things you could do and should do and 10,000 things that you cannot control, right? Have you ever experienced that? If somebody you love has been sick or hurt, if there's a situation at work, if there's an interpersonal conflict, the number of things that you can do to affect it are like this, and the number of things that you cannot control are all out here, right? You can't fix their white blood cell count. You can't force your boss to make a decision in a certain direction. You can't do any of those things. And yet, the Lord reigns. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Whether you've read the entire Bible or encountered it for the first time today on Better News Radio, you can learn about true joy from the happiest book in the Bible. This book, the book of Philippians, shares just how this joy can be accessed and how it's only possible through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. 
Would you like to know more about who Jesus is and how you can find the joy that he offers? Then please give us a call. You can reach us at 915-562-7100. That number again is 915-562-7100. We'd also like to point you to a free online book answering questions that you might have. It's called Better News and it's written by Pastor Ricky. Find it online at betternewsradio.com. Download and read it when you have some time and feel free to share it. We'd like to encourage you also to join a local church. This will provide you a stable home base for your spiritual growth and a new family to support and encourage you. If you happen to be in the El Paso area, please come visit us at Cross of Grace Church. We meet each Sunday and we'd love to have you be a part of our time of worship and Bible study. You can find directions and service times online at betternewsradio.com. Just click on church. We're so excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Better News Radio. We pray you continue to be blessed by what you hear and that you'll meet Jesus personally today. Join us next time for more from the happiest book in the Bible, Philippians, right here on Better News Radio.